Hello and welcome to Talking Indonesia podcast. This is your host Charlotte Stiadi from Singapore Management University in Singapore. Today, we will be talking about Chinese investments in Indonesia. The issue of Chinese investment is a controversial topic in Indonesia. Viewed with suspicion and even animosity, Chinese investments are often associated with the ideological threat of communism, as well as a reminder of negative stereotypes of the ethnic Chinese business elites in the country. As such, Chinese investments are considered to be a political liability, especially during and around election times. For instance, since 2014, President Joko Widodo's political opponents have attacked him over what they argue is his over-reliance on Chinese money for infrastructure projects. Yet Chinese investments in Indonesia is on an upward trend. China became Indonesia's second biggest source of foreign direct investments in 2017, and officials in Jakarta are saying that they expect Chinese capital inflows to swell in the future. It seems only a matter of time before China becomes the biggest foreign investor in Indonesia. Amidst the many negative reporting and fake news on the matter, how may we begin to separate fact from fiction in regard to Chinese investments in Indonesia? What does the picture actually look like in terms of trade and investment relations between the two countries? Will Chinese investments become a thorn in Jokowi's side in the lead-up to the 2019 presidential election? To discuss these issues further, I am joined by Dr. Siwage Darmanegara, who is a senior research fellow and co-coordinator of the Indonesia Studies Program at ICS Yusuf Ishak Institute in Singapore. Siwage is an economist who obtained his PhD from the University of Melbourne. His research interests include development policy, regional connectivity, industrial and trade competitiveness, as well as foreign direct investments in Indonesia. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode of Talking Indonesia. I'm really looking forward to our chat. Thank you for inviting me. You know, we have this mutual interest, uh, the two of us, about uh, Chinese investments in Indonesia and also more broadly about the relationship between China and Indonesia, right? Uh, and particularly coming up to election time, mm. a lot of people are, are wondering about, about, you know, whether Indonesia's relationship with China will be used um, as a, as a political campaign narrative against Jokowi uh, by his opposition. But before we get into that topic more, more, more generally, let me begin by asking you to paint us uh, the picture of uh, the relationship between Indonesia and China, and perhaps more specifically with your area of expertise, uh, the economic relationship between Indonesia and China. Thank you, Charlotte. I think uh, if we talk about the economic relation between Indonesia and China, we can see that they, there's a good uh, trends, a positive trends uh, in terms of trade, investment, and also the people-to-people uh, -people, um, movement. So in the last uh, few years, we can see that there's an increase in terms of trade relations, also investment, especially since the, pre the presidency of uh, Joko Widodo, we see that actually the investment from China uh, has increased in terms of its uh, realization. And uh, we also see that in terms of trade, Indonesia is actually still having trade deficit with China because of like the maybe imbalance in terms of the, the types that Indonesia trade with China. And most of the uh, export from Indonesia to China is uh, basically in uh, resources, uh, commodities, 
and then from uh, China to Indonesia we can see that there are a lot of uh, intermediate inputs which is uh, important for Indonesia to process its export. Right. Components. In terms of balance of trade, so you were saying before that the that the balance is skewed towards China. Mm -hmm. How big of a gap is it um, in terms of the tr Indonesia's trade deficit to China? I think the gap is increasing and uh, the last figures last year, it, it record uh, about I think 15 billion US dollar for trade <coughs> deficits uh, with respect to China. So Indonesia has to uh, basically uh, try to improve its uh, trade position and last, I think last month when Prime Minister Li Keqiang visited Indonesia, uh, Indonesia and China have already talked about how to deal with this increasing trade deficit, how to make it more balanced towards uh, Indonesia and China. Uh, in the future. So you mentioned before that the main export, not surprising, uh, in Indonesia exporting towards China are in the uh, extract from the extractive industries. Mm -hmm. Can you talk about some of the um, uh, sectors and commodities that are um, being traded between Indonesia and China in terms of Indonesia's both export and import from China? In terms of commodity, uh, Indonesia export a lot, for example, coal and uh, rubber, also the mineral, like bauxite mm -hmm. and aluminium. Yes. So all, all these uh, commodity and extractive uh, uh, materials are used by China for their own uh, production. And for Indonesia, usually we imported a lot of materials from China uh, because uh, China is basically producing a lot of key inputs for the global value change. So Indonesia needs a lot of inputs and intermediate uh, materials from China. Right. So this is for you, you're talking about, for instance, for the manufacturing sector. Right. A lot China. of yeah. a lot of parts and all that are still yeah, um, are still products. imported from China. Right. Okay. So President Joko Widodo has often been accused by his opponents for being too close to China, for putting Indonesia too much in debt with Chinese money. In your opinion. Actually, how much of this is, is actually true? Where does China actually stand in terms of rankings mm. of foreign investors in Indonesia in comparison to other countries? Mm. Uh, in my opinion, I think, uh, well, that accusation may be not uh, correctly targeted because uh, uh, if we look at what President Jokowi have done so far, he actually invited many uh, other investors from different countries, not only from China, so he always uh, used his, uh, uh, well, when he attended international meetings, he opened up the opportunity for investment to many other uh, investors from different countries and uh, not specifically to China. But of course, the media also reported that he has uh, visited several times uh, to Beijing, attended the Belt and Road uh, Summit in Beijing, but uh, the idea that he uh, explained to the public as well that he wants to see the opportunity uh, whether uh, Indonesia can offer investment opportunity for many investors around the world. So, for example, when he attended the Belt and Road Summit, he, he thinks that he can reach out to uh, other multinational investor, not oh, only right. China, but uh, yeah, using China as the 
platform in which uh, Indonesia can uh, sell its uh, investment opportunity. From the beginning, <clears throat> Jokowi's, one of President Jokowi's main platforms is in infrastructure building uh, since 2014 when he was campaigning. So considering that the Indonesian government probably doesn't have enough money to uh, build all these planned ambitious projects on their own, Indonesia seems to have to rely on a lot of foreign investment then for a lot of these infrastructure projects. Um, in terms of China uh, in comparison to other countries then, do you know um, who are the top foreign investors in Indonesia now and where China sits in terms of that ranking? Well, in terms of foreign investment, uh, China uh, currently ranked number three mm -hmm. in terms of investment. The number one is still Singapore. Yes. But of course, Singapore is an investment hub for many other countries in the region. So uh, it's difficult uh, really to, to compare uh, which part of the investment that come from Singapore is actually uh, comes from other countries. The, the number two investor is Japan, still Japan. Still is, Japan, uh, right. But when you talk about infrastructure investment, uh, again, you said that the government uh, needs more fun funding for pushing for infrastructure development. <clears throat> Currently, the, the funding mostly comes from the government budget, or we call that APBN. Right. So most of the fundings of infrastructure is uh, uh, allocated through APBN. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, the government also assign state-owned enterprise to, to get financial assistance as well to fund this infrastructure project. There seems to be a lot of drive recently with state-owned enterprises to, for instance, release bonds, release um, yeah. public shares yeah. in, order to, in order to accumulate their own yeah. capital. Yeah. So again, uh, uh, when the state-owned enterprise uh, sell the bonds, obligation, uh, in order to get more funding for infrastructure, uh, we can say that this is actually uh, loans that uh, the government and state-owned enterprise has to pay in, in the future. And it's, uh, yeah, there's some, some part of the loans comes from the private sector. There are also some part that comes from the government agencies. To go back to China then, in the past, it has been reported a lot in the media as well that actually, despite promises of Chinese investments into Indonesia, mm -hmm. the actual realized investment mm -hmm. is actually quite low. Yeah. Um, and, the, and the percentage of actually money flowing into projects is actually quite low. Yeah. Can you comment on that? Yeah, I think there's current problem. It's an ongoing problem actually with uh, regard to Chinese investment in Indonesia. Just China or you know other countries uh, also? Other countries as well, but it, uh, especially for China, actually the realization rate is very low. If compared with uh, Japan, uh, FDI in realization, China maybe it's uh, much lower than in Japan FDI. So. Uh, I think the government realized about this and there's uh, an effort from the government to basically increase the realization rate of the Chinese investment. That's why in the BKPM they established this the, um, special desk. Invest in, investment coordination yeah. body, yes. So the investment coordinating body has a special desk that dedicated to 
help the Chinese investor. So basically, they provide uh, special uh, facilities so that the Chinese investor can easily, uh, maybe in the future, can uh, increase their realization. So can I ask, what are some of the issues that have been hampering uh, the realization of Chinese investment? One project in particular that mm. comes to mind is the controversial Jakarta-Bandung high-speed rail. Yeah. Uh, huge publicity. Um, it started in 2015. Now, three years later, the project yeah. is pretty much stagnant. And one of the one of the um, quoted reasons for that is, you know, the, the capital just hasn't started flowing mm -hmm. yet. Um, using that case, for instance, what are some of the um, hurdles here that, that mm -hmm. prevents uh, the realization of Chinese investments? Yeah. I think uh, we need to differentiate between realization and completion. Right. The okay. realization is, uh, well, uh, basically uh, relates to the licensing right. uh, procedure, uh, whether the Chinese investor... Uh, understand about the regulation, what are the uh, requirements that they need to fulfill before they can get the operation re uh, license. So uh, during that, that stage, usually they have difficulty in understanding uh, the documents that they are required. Is it a language issue? I think part of that is language issue and also the maybe different standard they, they, they use. Uh, but in terms of com completion, uh, this is a different uh, question because for the controversial project of Jakarta High Speed uh, High Speed Rail Project Jakarta Bandung, uh, we we know that the problem is uh, uh, there are quite many problems, uh, not only about land, but also in terms of the uh, regulation as well. Right. Uh, in in the beginning, we we know that actually there are some regulation that the Chinese investor, actually the consortium, because the the contractor is not only Chinese contractor, but it's also a joint venture with the Indonesian state-owned enterprise. So somehow the contractor is still not able to fulfill all the required. Uh, regulation documents, uh, for example, about the feasibility studies. Right, with environmental yeah, assessments. Environmental yep. assessment and uh, some other uh, technical documents that they need to fulfill before they can uh, start um, do the construction. So the issue was from the Indonesia side, not from the Chinese side. I think both sides are responsible for this problem. Right. But I think they will learn, like in, in the future for the next uh, project uh, between China and Indonesia, they will learn about the difficulty in yeah, basically preparing this kind of uh, the required document uh, to fulfill the regu regulations. It sounds like it's a bit of teething problem because I guess China investing in Indonesia uh, for large scale projects like this is, mm. is relatively new. So maybe there's there's a lot of yeah. adjustment issues. You mentioned before though that investment realization, um, China's investment realization in Indonesia has actually gotten better in, in recent times. Yeah. Um, so what does that indicate to you? Is that like a, a renewed commitment, um, a greater seriousness, or are they just getting better at working together? I think both of uh, those factors contribute to the increase in realization of Chinese investment. Of course, the Chinese investor 
they learn from past uh, experience how to do business in Indonesia and also from Indonesian side uh, also there's some uh, facilitation to mm. basically help the Chinese investor to speed up expedite the maybe licensing uh, process. Yeah. Uh, I want to link it then because when we're talking about Chinese investments, particularly in mm. infrastructure projects like the Jakarta-Bandung Railway Network, yeah. um, for at least the report from the China side, all these projects are you know, labeled under their Greater Belt and Road Initiative yeah. label, right? Their, their grand vision of this. How important is Indonesia actually in China's Belt and Road Road Initiative vision? Uh, I think for China, Indonesia is uh, one of the important partners for ensuring the success of BRI. Uh, first, uh, we know that this idea of uh, the 21st Maritime Silk Road was announced by President Xi during his visit to Jakarta in 2013. So it shows that for China, Indonesia is considered as one of the key uh, actors as well. Of course, uh, for China, uh, cooperation with Indonesia in terms of uh, yeah, uh, implementing the Belt and Road uh, projects in the future will be important. But again, it's still uh, yeah, we, we still have to wait how, uh, how these things progress. Because it's actually quite unclear, like even even myself just reading some of the data, it's a little bit unclear actually which ones of China's in investment projects in Indonesia are actually regarded as mm. part of the Belt and Road Initiative yeah. and which ones are not. Yeah. How, do we, how do we know here, like which projects in Indonesia are actually regarded as part of these strategic BRI projects? From China's side, of course, they can regard any projects that they conducted for like any project that they have done with Indonesian partner is considered as Belt and Road projects. Right. But for Indonesian point of view, uh, it can be different. Uh, also, it's difficult uh, because uh, uh, what I understand is that Indonesia has some proposal of what are the projects that they, they want to offer to the Chinese counterpart for this Belt and Road Cooperation. And this is also in line with Jokowi's greater um, master plan of you know, the maritime fulcrum and his own Nawachita programs. Is yeah, that correct? We, we can link that with Jokowi's own uh, agenda. Uh, but again, uh, maybe it's not so uh, straightforward because when we look at the proposal from Indonesian government, yeah, it's quite difficult to link that the proposal with the Jokowi's uh, Nawachita or even the, the Global Maritime Fulcrum. Also, more difficult to link it with Belt and Road Initiative. Right. So, so I think the, the problem is that maybe uh, we don't have same definition uh, between China and Indonesia. Maybe, uh, well, at least the two has to agree uh, in the beginning what are the definition for the Belt and Road uh, projects that the, the two countries can uh, agree. Right. Is this typical of um, you know the, the relationship between China and other countries as well, or is this like an Indonesia-specific issue? This mismatch in yeah. in expectation. What do you think? I think this is not a specific issue uh, for Indonesia, 
but other countries also struggling to actually understand about the Belt and Road Initiative. And yeah, I think this is a still uh, maybe a work in progress. We right. don't know whether uh, yeah, later the, the proposal from Indonesia will be accepted as well uh, from China point of view because they have their own perception or maybe their own definition about Belt and Road. Is it beneficial for Indonesia to be included or to you know or to see itself as being part of this Belt and Road Initiative of China's? I think for Indonesia maybe the <clears throat> interest is mostly to to support the domestic uh, development uh, need. So Belt and Road is one of the opportunity that the government see as uh, an alternative for uh, maybe supporting whatever the government uh, has uh, currently planned. So uh, whether or not for Indonesia it is useful to be seen that we are part of BRI, maybe it's not really the priority. At the moment what I can see is that the government really needs uh, a lot of fun, fun financing right. in terms of yeah, for infrastructure development. And I guess this is quite um, typical of some of the dilemma that the Jokowi government and Jokowi himself is facing in terms of balancing the need for uh, foreign investment for infrastructure projects and, and all that mm-hmm. and actually maintaining a good public image at home that it's not too dependent on 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 foreign uh, money, uh, and particularly, and I guess uh, I would like to link it to um, the round of elections that are coming up in 2019. Of course, in April next year, we are going to have um, presidential and legislative elections on on the same day. Do you see the issue of Chinese investments in Indonesia making an appearance in the 2019 presidential and legislative yeah. election? So, for instance, not just about Chinese investments itself but also security issues, yeah. issues about Chinese migrants coming yeah. into Indonesia that has been making the rounds in the local media. Yeah. How do you see the situation regarding regarding this in the upcoming elections? Yeah, I think most likely this issue can be used to attack the government, to maybe uh, make the current government unpopular. Uh, this is an easy way because yeah you, you can just uh, pick this issue as the maybe main uh, problem of the government the weakness of the government's uh, strategy so that that may happen during the election especially position try to find any weakness or any any possible factor that can weaken the, the current government but if we, yeah, if we counter this narrative with the data, then actually, yeah, the government can can explain more to the public that actually that's not uh, really the case. Like when when, for example, the opposition start to accuse of the government of being uh, very welcome to Chinese investment, for example, then the government can also show. Uh, about the investment statistics that 
which country is actually the biggest investor in Indonesia. The government also can show like uh, in terms of donors, yeah. which country or which institution are actually the biggest donors for Indonesian development. Do you think there could be um, the way Chinese investments in Indonesia are going and it's on an, up, um, you know, an upwards trend like we were talking about before in terms of promised um, amounts and also like actually realized investments in countries such as Malaysia that does have uh, a big reliance on, on Chinese money, particularly under uh, the former Prime Minister Najib Razak. Um, you know, China was a big player and there was a massive backlash against yeah. that that is, uh, you know, and, partly one of the issues in the GE14 election in Malaysia. Do you see something like that happening in Indonesia, particularly given the already existing history of animosity towards China? I think uh, the Chinese uh, investor, they will also uh, uh, most likely will be in wait and see pos uh, position as well, given the political uncertainty at the moment I don't I don't think there will be an increase a significant increase in terms of Chinese investment this year or next year uh, again uh, the Chinese are also maybe try to maybe consolidate what is the current investment portfolio that they have in Indonesia and again um, well, maybe they focus also, uh, they want to make sure that all their investment that they have already agreed upon for Indonesian, uh, for example, Jakarta, Bandung, mm -hmm. high-speed rail, yeah. can be uh, pushed forward and can be completed on time. So I think for them, they will focus on the, the existing investment rather than uh, maybe trying to increase in the, in the new areas. And in terms of public perception in Indonesia towards Chinese investments? Yeah, I think that's a long-term uh, thing that the Chinese has to consider how uh, in the future that they can improve their uh, branding in Indonesian uh, economy, especially uh, after so many um, maybe kind of negative marketings against the Chinese investment, like low quality uh, products and uh, just like the uh, Chinese migrant workers that come to Indonesia, how they uh, deal with these uh, issues. Uh, that's also important to improve their image, uh, their reputation in Indonesia. Sounds like it's going to be a long-term, you know, management of, of perception and perhaps also um, trying to uh, debunk some uh, long-term uh, assumptions about China. Yeah. But um, Siwage Darmanagara, thank you so much for joining me on this episode of Talking yeah. Indonesia. It's been really interesting and a pleasure talking to you. Thank you, Charlotte. Yeah, nice talking to you. That was Dr. Siwage Darmanagara. He is a senior research fellow at ICSU of Asia Institute in Singapore. Talking Indonesia will return on the 30th of August. Remember, you can find the entire Talking Indonesia podcast archive at the Indonesia at Melbourne blog, subscribe via iTunes so you'll never miss an episode, or find us via your favorite podcasting app. Until next time, this has been the Talking Indonesia podcast. Bye for now.